Well, you know, Edge Fund is about recognizing entrepreneurs who are dedicated to um, uh, growing their communities in three ways, economically, socially, and environmentally. I started this because I had a, my grandpa, he used to live maybe about you know eight years ago in an assisted living facility in Silverdale, and I would go and visit him, and he was not getting any oral care at all. The person that you pick up in the basket, they swing around a lot, and it's often very dangerous. Data from NASA proves that 24 people a day are injured by this problem. That's Shannon Childs, Marketing Director with Kitsap Bank, Aaron Poshis, Founder of Cascade Hygiene, and Renee Owen with Vita Inclinata. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. Today's theme, find a niche and solve a problem. Now, before you turn the dial, let me explain. If you're thinking about going into business for yourself either next week, next month, or five years from now, I submit that today will be a very enlightening show to help you start thinking about how to do that. Because again, I go back to, I believe, the most important ingredients that successful entrepreneurs do, and that is they're always thinking about finding a niche, improving a niche, and doing the same with solving a problem. Too much information is out there, like, for example, the headline we always hear, follow your passion and the money will follow. That is simply not true, and it's a huge myth. And that's why when I see individuals who are the real entrepreneur mindset, and again, if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you may want to take some advice from them. For example, the excellent examples I have, I have one person that we'll be coming to in a few moments and talking to. Her name, her name is Meg Depew, and along with her husband, Buddy, she started a farm, or they started a farm in Squim called the Squim Bee Farm, and it is located in the foothills of the Olympic Mountains. Erin Poshis, who you heard about her grandfather in uh, assisted living community, she started a company called Cascade Hygiene. After visiting her father in the assisted living community, she found that his teeth was in real disrepair, he wasn't eating, and he was really in a bad way. And since she was a dental hygienist, she put together a little kit and went out and just basically cleaned her teeth, not her teeth, excuse me, she probably did clean her teeth before she left, but she went to the assisted living community and she cleaned her grandfather's teeth. Doesn't sound like a rocket scientist, but it's not. But his health did turn around quickly, and uh, he was eating again and doing very well. Well, guess what happened? Other people in the facility and some of the other caregivers, the mothers and daughters and sons of their grandparents in the facility said, can you do that for my grandfather? Can you do that for my grandmother? And then a business was born. 
She is now taking care of a lot of assisted living communities on the peninsula. I asked her how she was doing. She said, really, really well. So again, she had her eyes and ears open. She had that entrepreneur spirit, and then she followed through on that. But she also had a very core competency, too, and that's something I don't want to miss either. She was a dental hygienist in the first place, but she just went out on her own. Another key step to succeeding in business. And then there's Renee Owen, who's the marketing director. I mentioned a company called Vita Inclinata. It's a Puget Sound-based company that is developing a technology that will, could, and probably most likely will mean and change the difference between life and death in uh, helicopter search and rescue missions. And uh, I'll let her talk about uh, some of that later in the show. But a gentleman by the name of Caleb Carr founded Vita Inclinata because of a tragedy that struck one of his colleagues that he was training with one day. So anyhow, that is something that we'll be listening to, and I hope you stick with us. Um, We'll be back uh, with an interview in just a few moments with Shannon Childs, and she was at the top of the show, too. She's a marketing director with Kitsap Bank, and she's the one responsible for putting me in touch with all these great individuals, but we'll get into that a little later. So we'll be back with my interview with Shannon Childs in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Shannon Childs, she's the marketing director with Kitsap Bank, as I mentioned. Now, she told me that the bank had established what has become known as the Edge Fund about five years ago. I attended the Edge Fund big event at Kitsap Conference Center in Bremerton, in which five contestants made their pitch, and it was attended by over 250 people. Again, I said at the beginning, I think think of Shark Tank and think of it just on the local level. And uh, the end result was providing a reward to the small business person with the best concept and serving the community, a $20,000, I guess, reward or something along those lines, And some of the criteria was having a positive impact on the community. I'm going to be talking to the person who won that prize in just a few moments. But first, uh, I talked to uh, Shannon, and my first question to her was, uh, what is the Edge Fund all about? Well, you know, Edge Fund is about recognizing entrepreneurs who are dedicated to um, uh, growing their communities in three ways, economically, socially, and environmentally. And we had 15 semifinal companies who all, you know, are just great, great examples of triple bottom line companies. And so what we hope is that each of them will go away feeling as if they have had great exposure for their businesses, that they've learned something through the competition, and and, uh, and that they find this a really rewarding experience. Now, how long has this been going on? How long has Kitsap Bank been doing this? We created Edge Fund five years ago. So this is our, our fifth event, and uh, I think it's going to be one of the best. And so what have you learned in the last five years of how to do this about entrepreneurs and who they are? Have you gotten into the weeds a little bit on that? 
Well, you know, um, all of these companies um, have different backgrounds. Uh, we have different age groups represented here. Um, some of the business owners are, are folks who have full-time jobs and they they have their business uh, that they work on in all of their free time. And, uh, you know, we see a variety of people with a lot of uh, specific needs. And so, um, you know, they all come together and, uh, and I think learn from one another in this competition. Can you think of a success story that you funded, let's say several years ago, or even a couple, that are now really doing very well and you keep in contact with them? We try to keep in contact with all of our applicants and, uh, you know, we've had the opportunity to help them find funding even if they didn't win the grand prize at Edge Fund and so that's been very rewarding. Um, I think an example of a company that's done extremely well might be Combat Flip Flops, uh, which was uh, involved in our, I think, our second year of the competition and uh, they went from there to Shark Tank and actually were funded by three sharks and so they're doing extremely well. Uh, another one might be um, Ole Kraut, uh, which is uh, based out of Olympia. It's a, f a food fermentation company, um, locally sourced, very environmentally responsible, and uh, you know they've been doing great work and uh, really a successful company. Now, if someone wanted to, let's say next year, get involved with this somehow, what's the regional? circle that someone can come and, and participate or try to at least? We try to appeal to companies in western Washington. So, uh, you know, that, that that's really kind of a broad area, but we're looking for small businesses throughout western Washington who might be interested in competing. So that's Shannon Childs again. She's a marketing director of Kitsap Bank. Her email address is, in case you want to get in touch with her, is schilds. C-H-I-L-D-S at KitsapBank.com. You know, something I found interesting is that Kitsap Bank has been in existence since 1908. Pretty amazing. Meg DePew is on the line. We'll be back and talk to her in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience. So, Meg DePew is with us. She's the co-founder, as I mentioned earlier, of Squim Bee Farm, along with her husband, Buddy. And she is on the line right now. And uh, first of all, I want to say congratulations on winning the grand prize. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for having us on, too. Yeah, it uh, sounds like something. Give us a history of, um, you know, your bee farm and what led to really where you're at right now. When did it start and, and all that? So about 30 years ago, we had a swarm of bees land on our truck in the Seattle area. And we watched with amazement as the beekeeper came out and collected them. And it had always been in the back of our minds. And probably about 15 years ago, I mentioned to Buddy, how would you like to have some bees? And about 15 minutes and $2,000 later, we were beekeepers. And did you start <laughs> in the Olympic Mountains where you're at now or on the foothills? We had just moved out here, and so we had enough land to support it, and we thought it would be a great hobby. And it, and it was a great hobby for about 10 years. Um, we were involved with the North Olympic Peninsula Beekeepers Association, and they mentored us and got us going, and we just found a passion with the honeybees. So what is it you do in, with the, um, the bees? I mean, 
there's several things I read, like, uh, first of all, obviously, you make honey out of the bees and whatever, and then I guess I use some of the wax for candles and things like that. So you turned it into a business. We did. It kind of grew on us as we started um, working with more and more hives. And um, so our bees make honey. Honey bees are prolific honey makers. And so we're able to actually take some of the honey from them without doing them damage. And um, from there, we're also able to get capping wax, which is the wax they seal the honeycomb with. And we use that for things like lip balm and furniture polish and beeswax candles. How many bees do you have? Can you estimate that number, actual number? Yeah, you know, we thought about 2.3 million. So <laughs> 2.3 million to... now, or is that over <laughs> all the years? No, that was probably going into fall. We had maybe close to 100 hives, and we always expect about a 20% die-off on our bees, and so we should come out in spring, hopefully about 80 hives. 80 so, hives, and again, how many is that? How many, 2.3 or more million bees you know, it, just it on your farm? The year. Um, on, a, on a strong hive can have 80,000 or more bees at the peak of summer. I had no idea. Um, but that, yeah, that dies down through the winter, and the bees that cluster around the queen and keep her warm throughout the winter, um, usually six, 7,000. There were a lot of really good uh, competitors against you in terms of getting this reward. And I was very impressed with all the businesses. And uh, why do you think you won? Was it more of the community involvement or what, what, what was the differentiation? I'm really hard-pressed to say because I agree with you. The competition was stellar. Um, Kitsap Bank could not have gone wrong by picking any of us to um, honor us with this prize. Uh, the people were just amazing. And um, what the judges had told us is that they felt that we had a very good plan put forward, that we knew where we were and where we were going and how we would use this money to um, to the best advantage. Um, but I've also heard that it was one of the tightest races in the history of the, of the grant. Yeah, so I mean, it was really like I had to leave it. early, unfortunately, but uh, I was just like on the edge of my chair, literally. It was like, wow, these all are very, very impressive. So let me ask then, you're going forward. What is your plans going forward? I mean, you have millions of bees now. What do you hope to accomplish down the road? So our, our main objective was to try and automate. We, we, want to, we want to grow bigger, but we don't want to ever grow out of where this is a handcrafted and hands-on um, business for us. We, we want to always be people's beekeepers. Um, but we process our honey in a way that was state-of-the-art 80 years ago. And it limits us in our ability to really move forward um, without automating a little bit. And so that was our clear number one goal, was to process in a more expedient fashion so that we can reduce currently our turnaround from hive to store ready is about 10 weeks. Okay, now let me ask a question before I get to, you know, how people would shop and and what kind of product you actually have. And that is, again, looking outside looking in here that bees are endangered. I don't know if it's just the honeybees or just bees in general. And also if bees disappeared from the world, so would we. And uh, so my question is, is that true? And number two, how critical is this problem? 
So what you're talking about is called colony collapse disorder. And it was around 2006 that scientists started noticing that um, bees were on the decline. Um, Nationwide, we're losing close to 40% of our honeybee colonies each year. Um, We do better than that, but I think we are kind of citizen scientists and we use the best treatments and um, practices available, and we're also kind of isolated out in Clown County, so we don't have as many of the stressors on the bees that other places do. How about the cell Um, towers? I've heard cell towers. I've heard other things. What is the best guess as to what is leading the decline of the bees? So I've, I've heard of cell towers, too. I've not seen compelling research behind that. What we have seen, we know in the 1980s that a mite was introduced into the honeybee world, and this mite um, transmits diseases to the bees, and this weakens them. And then we also have compounding that, um, the introduction of systemic herbicides, which um, seem to have impacted the growth of larvae. Um, So with all these stressors on them, the bees are struggling. Okay. Is it getting better, or is it still on a steady decline? Is there any reason for hope that you'll we'll, can turn this around? Not we, but you and other beekeepers. All of us. All okay. of us. I mean, there's some, this is one of the reasons that we still like to get out there and talk to everybody we can because there are things that each one of us can do to help pr- protect pollinators in general. Um, one of the things we do is we watch what happens globally with bees, and we know that in France, um, they're putting up restrictions on neonics, which are certain types of herbicides, and bees are looking like they're rebounding. So there's definitely hope. Oh, good. Um, we watch what goes on in Cuba because they don't have problems with honeybees down there, and we think one of the reasons is because with many years of embargo, they've not been able to bring in agrochemicals, and a lot of their farming practices island-wide is organic. Okay. So we definitely see there's reasons to be hopeful. Very interesting. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Before you go, can you tell us if somebody was interested in your product, how they would get it? And also, do you do tours on your farm? So one of our big misnomers is we don't have a centralized farm. We're kind of spread all over the county. Okay. Um, but the best way to reach us is at squimbeefarm.com, and that will direct you. Um, oh, I'm sorry, squimbeefarm at gmail.com. And you can reach us there through the website. Um, It'll give you our phone number. You can talk to us directly. We're kind of hands-on, and we like to really chat with people. All right. That's squimbeefarm at gmail.com. Okay, Meg, thank you so much for being here. That's Meg Depew, co-founder of the Squim Bee Farm. I wish you well in the future, and again, congratulations. Thank you, Paul. Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist. Is self-employment for you? Pre-Flight addresses eight myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist. I attended something called the Edge Fund. And that is sponsored by Kitsap Bank and it's small business competition, meaning that a number of businesses come together and they make a pitch for why they should get what is a $20,000 reward for giving the best pitch, I guess, lack of a better word. Think Shark Tank on a local level. 
One of the businesses that I saw was called Cascade Hygiene, and it's a mobile dental hygiene cleaning service. This doesn't sound like a sexy type of company that makes you want to jump out of your seat, but to me, these are the type of companies that succeed because they do two things. One, a niche is found and they solve a problem. I want to get to that a little bit more after I talk to the owner and the starter of the company. Her name is Erin Potius. And uh, let's just get right into it. I asked her, what does she do? So I'm a dental hygienist and I go around to assisted living facilities and places where people are unable to go to the dental office and I provide dental care. Okay. And what sort of dental care do you provide? Mainly cleanings, fluoride treatments, you know, things where, you know, just basic maintenance things. If they can't get to the dental office and have just their routine maintenance, then there a lot of things can go wrong that I can fix and help. What's that? What could go wrong? I mean, well, they can get periodontal disease, which is very bad because that can create a lot of bone loss where they can lose their teeth. And if you lose your teeth, then you are unable to eat well. And then if you're not able to eat well, your whole quality of life just goes down the drain really fast. And it's really sad. So if you're if you don't have good oral care, you just decline really, really rapidly. And it's very painful and it can all be prevented. So right. it's really I, I, sad. I can appreciate yeah. that. I didn't mean to be light about that because yeah. it is. I have that yeah. issue. And Absolutely. I go in like every four months now and, and right. you have to do that for sure. And it's made a big difference. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah. So are you one of the first to go out to the patients uh, yeah. what, in this area, the country, or what? Or- so in the area, um, I started this because I had a, my grandpa. He used to live maybe about you know eight years ago in an assisted living facility in Silverdale, and I would go and visit him, and he was not getting any oral care at all, and that was what I, I'm a dental hygienist, so I would see that, you know, I'd go in and I'd visit him, and i look in his mouth, you know, you, how can you not, you know, sure. and um, it just, he was getting neglected and looked over, and I could see his, you know, health declining, so I just started um, coming in with my tools, just on the side, and I was just cleaning his teeth, and he really started feeling better, he was eating better, it was like a pretty marked difference from just getting oral care, you know. So then um, more people started seeing what was happening and they noticed he was improving and just word spread and people are like, oh, you know, I, I need this and that's Good kind of how you. it got going. So, yeah, See, that's a nice. great entrepreneur mindset where you, you know, saw a niche. Yep, yep. You saw a problem and you right. said, I'm going to step up and do something about this. How's your company doing? Really well. Really well. Her company is doing really well. And I'm not surprised. Two things, again, that she did. She found a niche, and she's solving a very big problem. Additionally, she has a core competency in this field. The only difference is now she's doing it on her own. She didn't go out and start a digital company or try to go online and sell stuffed animals or something like that. So if you're in the process of thinking about going into business for yourself, you know you want to be an entrepreneur, but you don't know quite what you want to do. Don't think about the passion thing, what makes you happy. Think about what other people need, what makes them happy, what your customer needs. That's where you want to place yourself. And that's exactly what Erin has done. She saw a problem. Her grandfather was not getting his teeth serviced properly in an adult care facility. She went in to take care of him, but she soon found out that a lot of other people were dealing with this very same problem. Not surprising, but a business grew from this. So again, if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, 
always think about how you can make someone's life easier and your prospects for success will be much greater. If you're at the stage where you know you want to go into business for yourself, but you are still deciding what type of business to go into, that's the person I like to talk to because I think actually you are in a better place than someone who already has a preconceived notion. I'm a big believer that as an entrepreneur, you should be thinking about finding a niche and solving a problem. And that is your main focus in deciding what to do. Here's another example of a company which did that very thing. It's called Vita Inclinata. It is based in the Seattle-Tacoma area. And essentially, it is putting together a mechanism which will help in helicopter rescue missions. We've all seen the movies where a helicopter is speeding through the air to a rescue. A basket is lowered into the water or in a forest. The wind is blowing. The basket is going all over the place. I didn't know what a big problem that was until I ran into Renee Owen, Chief Marketing Officer of Vita Inclinata, and the founder and CEO of Vita Inclinata, Caleb Carr, started this company because of something he experienced. I'll let Renee describe what that was. So we are Vita Inclinata Technologies, and we provide chaotic motion stabilization solutions for helicopter hoisting operations. So that's, yep, it's a very, it's a very complicated way of saying when you're doing a search and rescue operation, the person that you pick up in the basket, they swing around a lot and it's often very dangerous. Data from NASA proves that 24 people a day are injured by this problem and we're the first company to solve it. So we use drone technology and clip it right onto the cable and it makes sure that the person on the end doesn't spin or swing around. Wow, so that's yeah. a big problem. It's a huge problem, yes. We're the first company to try and solve it. Now, how come I've never heard of this before? Is that because I'm living in a cave or something? I mean, I see in movies rescue type of uh, operations, but I never saw anything like this. So about 24 of the missions go wrong a day, but why you don't hear about it so much is that oftentimes they call off the mission altogether because it's too windy to lower the rescue basket in between the trees or on a water rescue. So they'll call it off and use ground crews instead. And you say a drone controls this or? So we use drone-like technology. So we use RC ducted fans that clip into our sensor suite and that attaches to the cable. Okay, yeah. great. And when did you start this? In 2015, and we're okay. doing our first flight test under a helicopter at the end of the month. Okay, and then where are you located at? We've got offices in Seattle, Denver, and D.C. All right, and is it based here, or is it based in Seattle? Or? Based in Seattle. Okay, okay. well, thank you. And, and Renee Owen, anything from you? Um, no, we're just excited about the opportunity. I, um, our kind of mission, saving lives, really comes from when our CEO founded this company. Um, about 10 years ago, he's on a search and rescue mission, and his friend fell to the ground with a heart attack. They called for a helicopter to come and res uh, rescue him. When they arrived, the crew chief tried to lower the basket down to him, and after multiple attempts, they had to call it off due to high winds that night. And then the pilot, po danger posed to him, had to leave the site, and his friend died moments later. And so this is kind of the heart of Vita, saving lives. And we're really excited about this opportunity to, to find a solution and bring it to people and keep this from happening to our loved ones and other people's loved ones. Great. Well, I hope I'm not a recipient one of these days, but if so, I'm glad you're here. And good luck tonight. Thank you very much. All right. You bet. Pretty amazing, huh? I love stories like this. Somebody sees a problem and they go out to solve it. And this, I really didn't know was such a big problem, but it does make sense. 
When I said to the individual, good luck tonight, what I was referring to is an event called the Edge Fund, and it's sponsored by Kitsap Bank, an annual event in which they really identify businesses in the community in western Washington and really try to give them a boost. Businesses that really affect the community is one of their major criterias, and they've been doing this now for about five years now. I know I say this to Ignazium, but we are talking about finding a niche and solving a problem, and this is another great example of that. 